Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the State of California. Good afternoon. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS political reporter, host of the State of California, joined by Patty Rising and Brett Burkhardt. As we've been reporting, former President Donald Trump has been indicted yet again, this time by a federal grand jury investigating his efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Mr. Trump is charged with four counts of conspiracy, fraud and obstruction. Immediately after this indictment was handed up today, the former president fired off a fundraising email blasting these latest charges as, quote, an egregious act of election interference and a final act of desperation from Crooked Joe as he crashes in the polls, obviously referring to President Biden there. And then he begged his supporters to send him some more money, which he may need for his legal bills because he now faces trial on criminal charges in three separate jurisdictions, New York, Florida, and Washington, D.C., and probably another one coming in Georgia. For more on this, we're joined live today on the KCBS Wing Central Newsline by former federal prosecutor and Supreme Court clerk Rory Little, the Joseph W. Kachet Professor of Law at UC Law San Francisco. Thanks for being with us once again, Rory. All right, so these indictments, um, you know, not a surprise, uh, but the charges themselves are, are rather arcane. Conspiracy against rights, as in the right to vote, obstructing an official proceeding. What kind of penalties could the former president face here? And could we see more counts added later, as we saw in the classified documents case against him? <laughs> well, that, there are so many questions to ask about this indictment. It's 45 pages long. Uh, sure, there's a fair amount of prison time that you could add up under these counts, depending on sentencing guidelines and things. I don't think Donald Trump is facing uh, prison time yet. Uh, first, you have to get through a trial. Um, and he's not likely to go to jail for a long time, if, even if he were convicted on all counts. But, you know, that's so far in the future, it's hard to say. It's a historic step. And this uh, indictment is the, one of the most detailed indictments I've ever seen. It is It rivals the sort of detail we used to see against the crime families in, in New York back in the 1980s. Uh, it goes on and on with detail after detail after detail of conversations had with various people. Uh, and it's got, I think, six uncharged co-conspirators and unnamed, uh, but we pretty much know who they are. Uh, it is a major, major uh, strike against uh, the president at this point, or the former president. Uh, the former president is denouncing this criminal case as a political persecution and election interference. You, you worked in the Justice Department. Does that hold water at all? Well, I really don't think so. I mean, I have to say that normally 
uh, and Donald Trump's administration was an exception. Normally, the, there is almost no relationship between the White House and the Department of Justice. So I worked with Janet Reno uh, when she was the attorney general. She refused to go to meetings at the White House because President Clinton had various allegations circulating around him. Uh, she, she never went to the White House for any meetings. She sent somebody else. Um, normally, you, 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 you have to sort of follow the evidence. And boy, there's a lot of evidence. I mean, I sure hope people will read the 45 pages before they jump to conclusions. Uh, the Department of Justice is generally tries to be apolitical. In fact, they try to avoid indicting public officials unless they're very certain that they have the evidence to convict. You know, you were talking about the evidence. Much of the evidence was gathered by the January 6th commission. Is it typical for Congress to investigate a significant crime ahead of the Justice Department? Well, it's certainly typical of the of, of Congress to investigate all sorts of allegations, right? The Nixon impeachment proceedings uh, came out as a result of various House and Senate investigations. Uh, there allegedly was a draft indictment of President Nixon at the time, but of course he resigned. Uh, and then was pardoned by uh, President Ford at the time. Uh, but there was a draft indictment, and there were unnamed co-conspirators in those indictments as well. Um, it's not unusual. I have to say, I think the, the independent counsel here, Jack Smith, seems to detail a fair amount of evidence that goes beyond what the House committee had. So, for example, there are seven states where false electors were being uh, set up to try to damage the Electoral College count. Um, the House committee really didn't look at those things, um, and, and the allegations about those seven states go on for pages and pages in this indictment. So I think Jack Smith has more evidence than the House committee ever had because his focus was wider than the House committee. The House committee was focused on January 6th. This alleges a conspiracy running from November all the way through the end of the administration. You know, you mentioned the detail of this indictment and how it resembles a case against a crime boss. I've been wondering lately, you know, why hasn't he been charged with racketeering or violating the RICO Act? And, you know, as somebody who worked on cases like that at a DOJ, could you see that coming perhaps in the Georgia uh, prosecution? Well, there's no telling what a state prosecutor might do, and they might try to use a state equivalent to the RICO statute. Um, I, I, I had a RICO case when I was a prosecutor. And my conclusion, frankly, is that, that that statute is just too complicated to spend time on. It's much cleaner to do what this indictment does, which is list four simple statute counts and, and say, we're going to prove these four counts. We don't have to prove the overarching RICO conspiracy because we're just going to prove the normal conspiracy that we see in 18 U.S.C. Uh, 371, which is what's charged in this case. I wanted to ask you about him using his legal woes as kind of a campaign issue to try and raise money. The Stop the Steal campaign that he launched became a cash machine, and he's using the money to, to spend on, on legal bills. Um, is this dishonest fundraising campaign legally exposing him? Well, there have been people who have said, why isn't he charged with mail fraud for having said, I'm going to use your contribution you know, for this purpose and that purpose, when instead he uses them for legal defense uh, funds, things like that. Um, you know, the use of these indictments to raise money. I mean, there was a there was a Republican uh, person at, in Iowa last week who took the podium and said Trump is actually using this as a way of avoiding being charged and avoiding being convicted. He's not just using it to raise money, but he thinks if he's a viable candidate, he won't be 
convicted of anything. So he may be using this for more than just raising money. It may be a, a, a sort of the best defense he has against criminal charges. You know, I've got Twitter followers who insist this is all a plot to keep him from being reelected. And if he were to drop out of the race, the government would drop the charges against him. And I've assured them that that's not the kind of thing that would ever be part of a plea bargain. But then there are people who find it hard to believe that if he's convicted of all these crimes, he's still eligible to run and serve as president again. But as long as he's not convicted of sedition or, or rebellion, he is, right? Well, constitutionally, he certainly is not prevented by anything, really, other than uh, treason or sedition or, or uh, impeachment and even impeachment. He's been impeached twice, of course, doesn't prevent him from running again. Uh, he wasn't uh, convicted of his impeachments. He was impeached by the House, but not convicted in the Senate. Um, so, you know, he can he can run on this. There have been candidates in the past in the 1930s who actually ran for president from from prison cells, some organized labor uh, union uh, advocates. Um, it hasn't been effective before. What's remarkable here is that he is gathering so much money and apparently over a majority of support within the Republican Party. The the election is going to be, obviously, I think, uh, the, the big break here. I don't think there'll be a trial on this case before the election. So we're not going to know whether he's been convicted until after the election has happened. Yeah, that seems likely given that the uh, other case, the Florida one, isn't going to happen until May. So this would be later than that, we would think. Thank you so much, as always, Rory. And yeah, all of this without precedent. We'll see what happens and unfolds over the many months ahead. Former federal prosecutor, professor at UC Law, San Francisco, Rory Little, thanks for being with us. You can hear the state of California every weekday at 3.30 p.m. It's also available on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find me on Twitter at Sovereign Nation. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.